We're back on the Fan Morning Show. Justin and Ailish. Ailish just a- avoided something that she probably wouldn't have wanted to say on air. Well, it's not bad. Like, it's a not bad, bad. Word it's or just anything. like a, just... a misuse of a phrase. Okay. And that's why we're laughing. It's It just would have been like you and the carrot yesterday, you know, trying to explain getting the carrot yeah. and the snowman. It, People remember. Ex- that's exactly what it was. It's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsie. I'm feeling a bit loopy this morning because I, I'm not feeling like super, not, I'm not feeling sick, but I had emergency, you know, Justin didn't know what emergency was, like the powder you put in, a, in your water, like a vitamin C boost. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to get sick. It's get, it's. That's your secret sauce. So I put some vitamin C in my water and I think it just like really gets your brain and your body cooking early, right? It was like doing that massive scoop of pre-workout. That's kind of what happens. Where I was just like sweating, but like deer in headlights. and I just chugged a really bottle wired. of vitamins is yeah. exactly what happened. So Forget the coffees. Why aren't we just emergencying every day at six? <laughs> anyway, that's, that's uh, I feel very healthy now. I'm very fired up to talk to our next guest, Luke Fox, sports and NHL reporter. How's it going, Luke? <laughs> Oh, it's going okay. I'm using coffee to try to get fired up. Well, I have both going on here. That's okay. probably the issue. There's a lot of the, the concoctions is probably the issue. happening. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday, the big domino falls. Bo Horvat moves to the New York Islanders. Um, I felt like maybe the timing shocked some people just because Lou, Lou is a like a locked vault. Silent assassin. You never know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we got to ask, first of all, your thoughts on the trade. We're trying to break down if there's a winner, if there's a loser, if they're both losers, if it's dependent on what happens with the rest of the season. But initial thoughts on Bo Horvat to the Islanders. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the mind that it's way too early to declare winners and losers on these things, especially when we have no idea where that first round pick's going to fall, who that first round pick is going to turn out to be mm-hmm. Ratu's ceiling. We have no idea. So those are the key pieces going uh, to, to Vancouver. So I, I think winners and losers are a little bit premature, but my initial thought was they better get Horvat resigned, mm-hmm. the Islanders. And you'd like to think that Lou Lamorello has been in the game long enough that he wouldn't make that deal without having the confidence that he is going to be able to lock up Horvat long term. Because if this is just a rental, that would be frightening. Yeah. Because I don't I don't have the Islanders making the playoffs. Now, it also shows some desperation on their part to get him in and make the playoffs and, and and seal up one of those wild card spots that are still very much in the air with about thirty games left. So they have a chance. Um but you know there's a, there's a good site that they um, call moneypuck.com that lets fans know uh, the percentage chances of, of teams making the playoffs. And right now, I think the Islanders are around 18%. So not great, but they're definitely not dead in the water yet. And how much of an impact can Horvat make? I get why the Islanders want them. Um, they're a team that can't score. They're a team that can't score on the power play. Horvat provides that, and he's having a fantastic year in those regards. Uh, but I am just a little bit surprised that a guy who's in the final year goes to a team that's not considered um, a Stanley Cup contender this season. So it's going to be fascinating to play out, and they have to get that that extension locked down. 
So you would know about the things that happen underneath the surface. He apparently has uh, a, um, an agent that also represents five other islanders. I wonder the significance of that in terms of like, okay, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, like is this going to get done? And secondly, would you ever see a future where if the islanders aren't going to make the playoffs that they flip Bo Horvat at the trade deadline? I know this is a, it could be a hilarious situation, but maybe not out of the realm of possibility to get even more knowing that, hey, he's not going to re-sign, but we still have one of the best forwards available at the trade deadline. Yeah, that would, that would make sense considering the timing. There's still more than a month to go until March, March 3rd. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I would be, I, I, that would be stunning and crafty. <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm not discounting Lamorello pulling anything off, but I think if you, these trades take so long to, to finalize. And I don't think you go through the effort of doing all this just to flip them in a couple of weeks. I think you're doing this to try and make the playoffs and make your team better in the future. Like he's still, he's still pretty young. He's still in his 20s. Like, I think they see them, Bo Horvat, as a piece you could build around. I mean, he's, his game certainly fits their style, right? Like, he's the, he has some offensive flair, to be sure, and they need more of that. But he's a very responsible centerman. And Lamorello is all about building up the middle. He's all about, you know, having guys that are responsible defensively. And Bo Horvat, Horvat fits that mold. So, I, that would be, I would be stunned if he did that. The, the the closest thing I could I, I remember is Taylor Hall. Remember when he got traded to Arizona and then they flipped him back to, to Buffalo when they realized that they weren't going to make it. Mm. Um, but that but there was months and months for them to be able to do that. Not a few weeks. So Horvat's in his twenties. Uh, Lou Lamorello's in his eighties. How much? <laughs> yeah. Wow. How much of this is like? Okay, this is Lou's last team, and he wants to extend this and take another run and avoid what is maybe the most logical direction for this team, which is kind of tearing things down a bit and trying to start over. Uh, because you know they're two years removed from going to the Eastern Conference Final for a couple seasons in a row. And it just looks like there's been like a, the, the the talent's gone down the drain a little bit on Long Island, and this seems like it's a little bit desperate, especially in the position that they're in. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That that's that's I, like I'm surprised that uh, it, he, he's not on a, a real contender. Like I'm surprised he's not on Jersey right now or Boston or you know you know what I mean. So yeah, I do think it's it's Lamorello trying to extend the window. I mean, he he's shown that an unwillingness to sell the past couple years, and he seems to feel like they're like you mentioned, they're they're not that far removed from their Eastern Conference final appearances. But when you look at the core um, that got them to those appearances, it, it's fading, and they just don't score enough goals. Matt Barzell doesn't have enough guys around with them to to create offense. One thing Lou's done is been able to retain the talent that he does acquire. So we will see if he can make sure that Horvat sticks around, which will certainly help things, at least optically, for the New York Islanders now and moving forward. Uh, the big story for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, I think, is Matt Murray. Um, is there a trust issue that's developed between Murray and the organization? I would think so. I don't know, but I, like I would say definitely with the the, the players and the coach... Uh, the reason why I say that is because I think Friday night was kind of a big deal that to pull out of a game after warm up and all of a sudden throw your tandem mate 
uh, who's been carrying the load, been overworked to the point where the coach comes out and says, we need to get this guy some rest. All of a sudden, last minute, okay, Samsonov, you're in because this guy can't go. And not only the, the, the crazy thing is not only could Murray not start, he was unfit to back up that night. Now he sat on the bench, but Keith revealed after that game against the, the Senators that they were in an e-bug situation. Mm. So if Samsonov had gotten hurt, uh, coming in kind of unexpected and cold, they, they'd have to go to the e-bug. Murray, Murray wasn't even fit to, to step in there and back up. Uh, and you could tell that Sheldon Keith uh, that did not sit well with him. He took an extra long time to come out for his post-game availability. Uh, so I, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, the conversations they were having about how they wanted uh, this perceived, how they feel about, about Murray um, suddenly aggravating that ankle injury that they were obviously trying to keep quiet for, for a time as he dealt with it and tried, you know, managed to practice without... Uh, aggravating it but the fact that you know when Keith did come out he was trying to control his his frustration with the situation and you know he said that he put Samson off in a a really terrible spot he said that a couple times Hmm. Uh, so and then Morgan Riley was saying that Samson off's our guy Samson off's our guy after the game and before up and all season it was the company line was doesn't matter which goal he's in the net we have faith in both of them. That was what you heard whenever you asked about the goalies. So now the tone is turned to Samsonov's our guy. So you can draw your own conclusions from that. So two questions based off that. Um, how does this affect the deadline plans? Is there $5 million suddenly in play for the Maple Leafs? Is there a want or a need to get another goaltender who's capable into the organization? And I guess, like, how does this reflect on Dubas? Uh, he just got out from underneath the Peter Morazic mistake. Uh, this was a massive gamble, and he protected, protected himself quite appropriately with Ilya Samsonov here, but this is a multi-year, $5 million investment on a guy who's now telling the same, same story that he's told in previous seasons, which is that I'm not here when you need me. Yeah, well, we'll see, right? Like, uh, I, I think it's a little premature to... Uh, you know, write Murray off completely, but th- you're starting to get those vibes, those that feeling, right? Like I, I was getting the the kind of similar feeling around Freddie Anderson when when he was trying to come back from injury and he wasn't available, and you could just sense a, uh, an air of frustration that this guy that that you're paying millions of dollars, uh, not only it's one thing to be hurt, but it's another when the team doesn't know when you're ready to come back and. You know, the the fact that they're not putting a timeline on this, it's like, well, we'll see, we'll see. It just uh, creates a little bit of uh, uncertainty and, and mystery around it. Now, do you go out and find another goalie in the next month? I, I don't think we're at that point yet, but I'm sure the discussions will be had if, if Murray's not ready to go after he rests and recovers through this bye week, and, and we'll that's when we're going to get an update is when they come back in, in 10 days and they're in Columbus. So we'll see then. Um, so it might be a little premature to jump to that. And I also think they have other needs that they need filled. And there's only so many trade chips you have. Uh, like what goalie are you, are you going to acquire? That's going to be of impact 
without spending some significant capital in terms of uh, draft picks or, or prospects. And thank goodness Samsonov is on his game. So what I would expect is they get a little look at, at Joseph Wall, see how he's playing, um, see if he's a guy that can at least be a serviceable ba- backup at the NHL level, and hope Samsonov stays healthy. So you did write a really great article about Joseph Wall, who's now going to get an opportunity to at least back up. We'll see about the stretch here. He's going to go back down to Marley's, I assume, during the All-Star break. He did get an All-Star game nod. He's had a really great season, probably one of the best you could you could hope for for an AHL goalie right now. Um, I really like learning about him through your article in terms of what he's taken in terms of mental prep and, and the focus he's taken in terms of that side of his game. Um, just talking to him and getting to understand that the player he is, what are Leafs maybe going to see with Joseph Wall if he gets a run with the, with the team? Yeah. I mean, getting, getting a run might, might be a stretch, but I, I, I wonder if he's going to get one of those back to back games when they come back against blue jackets, mm-hmm. soft opponent. Uh, you know, he, he'll be nice and warm because what I would expect is that he goes back to the Marlies while the Leafs are on their break. So he, he'll be staying active and, uh, he's he's on fire right now. His record is twelve and one, um, and he's just a he's a really you get a really good sense from this kid. He's twenty four years old. He's been in the system a long time, um, but I had a really nice chat with him yesterday, and it, you know he he's it, I, I really like the guy. For one, he's a big goalie. Uh, for number two, you, you feel like his best days are, are still ahead of him. The the organization hasn't rushed him. They've been very patient with his development. They believe in him. They gave him a long-term uh, or three-year extension last summer. Um, so, you know, they're taking that off his mind. But my big takeaway was in, he said that his first-year pro with the Marlies, um, 1920, uh, when the pandemic hit, he said that he really wasn't happy. Like, he had a losing record. His save percentage was in – uh, below 900, well below, uh, and, he, and he was unhappy with his game. And you know, he'd always read about how goaltenders, the mental aspect of the sport um, should be important, but he, he admitted that it, he never really took it that seriously or invested that much time in it. Uh, but then he got into, really into meditation, um, and he said that he has this, a very busy and creative mind. And he's like, I love my mind. I love all the, way I, the ways I think about things. But when I'm playing hockey... I can't be thinking. I need to just be playing. I need to just be focused on on the puck and in the game and in the flow and not be distracted with these other thoughts in my mind. So he he developed a meditation routine. He says he now does it multiple times a day. He's talked to other Leafs players about it. He didn't mention their their names. You know, that's for them to talk about if they want. But it's become a real focus of his. And he's seen his game take steps in that way. He's also talked to sports psychologists. And, you know, he was always taking care of his body. But now, over the last few years, he's really taken time to take care of his mind. And I I found that really fascinating. And the other thing he said is about three or four months ago, he just decided on his own. Um, There was no incident or no one from the organization or no friend or parent or anything told him to to get rid of all your social media. But he just said that it wasn't for him. He he found himself spending way too much time on his phone. And I'm, I'm sure we can all relate to that. And uh, so he just got off it and cut it cold turkey. And he said that he made a list of the people important in his life that he wanted to keep in touch with. And he does that, makes sure that he doesn't fall behind in the people whose lives he he does want 
to know what's going on. But otherwise, he stayed off it, and he's found that it's helped him with his focus. And it just it happens to be that since he's done that, I'm not saying it's the direct cause. There's other factors. But since he's done that, he's played the best hockey of his life. I feel like we could learn a lot from this young kid in terms of, yeah. you know, the approach. 20, 24, right? Yeah. Like, that's pretty mature, pretty mature decision to make at 24. I might have to delete my social media. And here I am in my 30s starting a TikTok yeah. account. Yeah. It's pretty embarrassing. Justin just started TikTok. Yikes. Maybe uh, look back on that one. Um, okay, so Sunday was a big day for the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. John Tavares gets his 1,000th game in the NHL. We got a moment to celebrate him and to look at his career, not only as a Maple Leaf, but as a New York Islander. Um, how do you start to evaluate the legacy that John Tavares will have with this organization. I know it's early and it's unwritten, but maybe that's the way you view it as well, is that there's a lot riding on how the rest of this career really goes. Yeah, in terms of, of legacy, it's unwritten, especially as, as a Maple Leaf, right? Like, this guy's a fantastic hockey player, and I think he's going to go down, I think, mostly for his consistency. Um, you know, everyone has the odd bad game. But John Tavares has has very few. He's just you look at his his hockey DB. He's pretty steady. You can almost bank on how many goals, how many assists within a within a range that he's going to have. Uh, he's a coach's dream in terms of you know what you're going to get from him pretty much every night. But when you step back and think of how is he going to go down as a Toronto Maple Leaf, that is all dependent on team success. That is all dependent on what happens in the next couple of years here. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. He signed that monster deal, and everyone was like, "Oh, I don't know." You know, if how's the, how's the back half going to look? Well, we're in the third last year, and he's on pace for point a game again. Like, we're all, it's it's crazy to think that there's only a couple more years of this deal left, and he's been in pretty steady throughout it. But I think in terms of how he's viewed, it's is he going to be the guy you associate with eating up? too much cap space and they never got out of the first round or is he going to be that guy hosting the Stanley cup in a statue outside of legends row like that? That's the kind of legacy we could be talking about. So it all depends on team success. Does it all depend on team success this season? Like it, 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 there's two other kicks at the can, but, and he hasn't diminished like many people have thought but things are going to get a little bit more difficult. Maybe not next year. Maybe they can pretty much keep it all together and be just as talented. But it seems like they're headed towards a little bit of a transitional period where you have to re-sign those players again and sort of re-establish where you are in the pecking order. Does it like, is it all about John Tavares this spring is kind of what I'm asking. I wouldn't say that. I mean, yes, this spring is, is huge on a number of levels, like whether it's Tavares or Matthews or Nylander or, key for Dubas, like no question, but Nylander signed for next year. Matthews is signed for next year. Tavares is signed for two more. Like it, I, I, I'm not putting it all on, on this spring. Is there a winger that you think is better suited to extract the most out of him? And in turn, he helps extract the most out of whether it's Mitch Marner or William Nylander. Yeah, it's a. You mean you mean in on out in the trade market or best? No, 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 no. no. Who who just who's the best fit for him right now in terms of wingers? Oh well, I guess I think Yarncroc has done done okay um, up there, uh, but I I feel like this is a 
this isn't a finished painting yet. I, I, I think Kyle Dubas is going to add a forward. But I, I think Aaron Kroc has, has done uh, a decent enough job. Uh, I, I've been pleasantly surprised. I was, I was concerned, especially uh, before his injury. I think he hadn't found his uh, groove yet with the team. Uh, looked a little bit out of sorts. Uh, and then he got hurt. But he's, he's starting to find his footing and he's starting to earn you know, his, his contract. And I, I, think, I think he's been decent, but I do feel like you know, we could still see an upgrade there. Luke, uh, Sunday, big day for John Tavares, but also a huge day for Morgan Riley to get that first goal of the season. You saw the relief on his face. I'm sure you got to talk to him or see him post-game. Um, how big was that for him? And do you think it's going to be uh, maybe a nice release now going into the All-Star break and we come back and we see a different Morgan Riley? Yeah, it, it is kind of crazy how big of a deal that, that was to him, right? 35 games. Uh, he had 68 shots without a goal, finally goes in. And you could just, I mean, you could tell as a, if you were in the, in the stands as a fan, like he was celebrating that one pretty good, like raising both arms, <laughs> looking up to the sky. The fit, it, Keith said the bench went crazy. Mm-hmm. The guys on the ice just swarmed him immediately. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like he had scored an overtime winner. Uh, it had been weighing on him. You know, he was, he was, downplaying it and saying, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. But instantly, his interaction with us changed. I'm sure his interaction with his teammates perked up too. Uh, you know, prior to that, you could you could just tell that something was off with him. You know, he, he he's a really funny guy, loves to, to crack jokes, kind of a dry sense of humor, but he was not giving us much. Like, you could tell that, that there was something off with him. His answers were short. He wasn't very engaging. And then his first post-game scrum after he scored the goal, he had like three one-liners. He was smiling the whole time. It, it, it was a, a weight had lifted. Um, and, you know, he, he, Matt's, even even yesterday after practice, you know, the guys were joking. He was joking around with Rasmus Sandin, and Rasmus Sandin was talking about how he's going to score every game now. He's going to get hot. And uh, it's just it's – just, it's a weight has lifted. Put it that way. Okay, that's a, a good time for it to happen too. Uh, what are the What are the Maple Leafs doing when they have ten days off? They're going away on vacation. Are we going to see William Nylander with cornrows when he comes back? <laughs> What's the plan? <laughs> I, I don't. I, yeah, I would assume a lot of them are going on vacation. Um, that has been the tradition. The only person whose plans I know is that Tavares is is going to Trombla with his family, which wow. I thought was kind of. Kind of cool. He said that um, he said that the, the winter here hasn't been very snowy. He wants he wants some winter. So okay. that that was a bit of a curveball. But I, I respect that as uh, as a snowboarder myself. So, um, but yeah, usually I, like I've been at the airport going to All Star games and run into Maple Leafs who are you know catching flights uh, somewhere warm and, and sunny. <laughs> so I, I'm sure they're getting out of town after Wednesday's game. Are you headed to the All Star game? Weekend? I am not this year. Oh. I am headed. <laughs> I am Where headed. Are you to headed? Uh-huh. I, I am headed to balmy Buffalo. Wow! Uh, to, to watch uh, my 12-year-old participate in a hockey tournament. Oh, well, that's yeah. very sweet. Um, I yeah. heard Buffalo is quite tropical this time of year. So <laughs> yeah. bring the sunscreen and enjoy your trip. And we'll talk to you on the other side of the All Star break. Okay, sounds good. Should be a good game Wednesday. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Luke. Talk to you soon. That's Luke Fox, Sportsnet NHL reporter. Buffalo, New York.
Bring the snow tires, too. That's right. Um, that's great. I, I will be intrigued to see where the Maple Leafs end up over their much-deserved break. Yeah, it'll be uh, Instagram will be uh, popping off. But Montreal Blanc, I went to last winter, two, two winters ago, last I've winter. never been there. I'm going to tell you that. If you're on the slippery slopes and something happens, we used to not be allowed to go, like, when I played hockey. Yeah. At college. That's why I was a little our surprised. Coach said Tavares was going to Mount Trump. All season long. Mount Tremblant. You can't go on the slopes. It was like a, a rule rule. I feel like he'll be restricted to the bunny. Like, I, I'm not. Well, he's got two, like, really little yes. kids. There's no so way he's I'm ripping sure he down double be. black but diamonds. I don't think they want him black diamonding anyway, if it was just by himself. Yeah, I, I, missed, I missed the opportunity to snowboard or ski lots when I was at school because we lived in the mountains and I just never really got to do it. Oh, I didn't realize it was a mountain-esque atmosphere there at well, right in the yeah the the, the mountains of vermont new hampshire has mountains wow. i know i didn't get to go because we had some real some real rules like jay peak is a great place to snowboard but i went after i finished my there you go yeah, anyway fine. so uh, best of luck be safe out there wear a helmet um all right let's do something to chew on brought to you by great canadian meats yum 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 <laughs> the look on your face when you're waiting for the yum yum. Well, yum I don't want to step on anyone's toast. Hilarious. Okay, we teed this up um, a little bit earlier in the show, but um, Shams was writing about multiple. He knows how to get clicks. I'll tell you that this time of year. What are the Raptors up to? Click. Well, um, <laughs> that's true, is it not? Yes. Everyone wants to know what the Raptors I mean, are just, doing. He's just doing his job. Just no, reporting. I know, but he's smart. He's getting those subscriptions, I tell you that. So he wrote about the future of Nick Nurse and how it is kind of, this snuck up on me. I didn't think that we knew this as well. Um, Nick Nurse's future as Raptors head coach is expected to come into focus this summer when sources say he'll be entering the final year of his contract going into next season. Obviously, after the 1920 season, guided the Raptors to the NBA championship, won coach of the year in 2020. He's regarded among one of the league's best coaches. He signed an extension through 23-24 worth $8 million per year. The length of the deal had not been previously disclosed by the team, and there's been frustration throughout the roster and staff with the team's play at points this season, and that has been directed at Nurse sometimes too, according to sources. Shout out to Katie Heindel for being first on Nick Nurse. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the direction should dictate the future of nurse. I've always kind of, I don't know this as like a fact, but it feels like a guy who's going to coach to try to get every last ounce from a competitive standpoint out of his roster. Right. Yeah. Fit clearly to coach a team that had title aspirations. They went to the title, won the championship. With Nick Nurse. However, if they go scorched earth, if they break, if they tear down even the slightest, and it's about readjusting expectations and development all of a sudden, I just don't know how that's all going to jive. I could be wrong. Maybe he's perfectly suited for that too, but that's like my instinct. So I think it is worth watching because I think the direction could sort of dictate what the future is for Nick Nurse, and maybe he would welcome that too. I mean, he only has a year left after this. That's what Shams reported. Like, does he want to go through a long process? I'm not really sure. So I think it is worth monitoring, but... No, it's certainly first, first worth monitoring first. who the coach of the Raptors will be. Yeah. Well, worth monitoring, like, the story. Yeah. But first things first, let's decide the direction. Let's see what we're going to do. I do I do think the first thing that came to mind is 
is Nick Nurse the right coach to coach a team that is rebuilding or blowing it up? That's a massive consideration, and that will become a storyline if that's the direction they go. But it made me think about, I believe it was last summer when Raptors uh, head coach Nick Nurse was, you know, potentially going to be linked to the Lakers. Remember this? And, mm-hmm. oh, is he going to jump ship, head to um, L.A.? And Messiah Jury had that hilarious quote about, you know, I see what you see too. I dream. I want Messi. I want Kobe so they can keep dreaming because I dream too, right? And he like shut it down. So oh, you can dream all you want about my coach. Like Masai loves Nick Nurse from that quote and from what we heard about last summer. So that would be, I don't think he's on the hot seat after one bad season, but if they d- decide well, trade, to go trade block, for if Nick they Nurse? decide to go a different direction with this team, a substantially different direction where you scorch earth, you tear it down. Is he the right coach for this? And this will be and, a major question. And again, what's behind the scenes is very, very important. The relationship Nick Nurse was, has, <clears throat> excuse me, has with those who mm-hmm. are most critical to the future success of this organization. I think that's very important and something that we only can really speculate over. That's about. right. Well, I'm sure Shams will have lots more for us to ponder over the next couple can of days. Can you trade a coach, by the way? That seems weird. I don't think you can trade a coach, can you? I think there's I think there's a history of that in the NHL, isn't there? Trading a coach mid-season? I mean, you can fire a coach, and cool. then they can be rehired. Let's check it out in the break. Wow. <laughs> All right, let's take a break, and we'll we'll discuss this with our next guest, um, our buddy joining us the show, Big V, Vivek Jacob, writer at Raptors.com and CBC Sports. Maybe he knows um, about the ponderings of Nick Nurse and if he's the right coach for this. Not that they're going that direction that we know of, but who knows which direction they're going. That's next on the Family Morning Show with Justin and Ailish. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Send in your wake and rake selections for tonight. No Toronto Raptors. No Toronto Maple Leafs. Where's Neil? This is your time to shine, buddy. He smashed his pick once again. We're looking for the winners. Neil and co. You don't have many NHL games. They're really trickling out here. This is a tough week. I I wasn't really prepared for how difficult this week might be. How about my Winnipeg Jets with the massive third period comeback to secure my win? That was big. It's difficult because everyone's on a bye week. So the next two weeks are going to be difficult. So we got three NHL games, and then you got you know, a little bit more NBA action. I think, so I, I think I got one tonight. Okay. I think I got one. Well, send that in at 590-590. Let's go to our next guest to talk a little Raptors and more, if we have time. Vivek Jacob, writer for Raptors.com and CBC Sports. What's going on, Big V? Not so much. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. I think we're probably in the same boat of the Raptors who are doing okay on this road trip. Two and two flashes of good flashes of, well, some flashes of ugly. Just how do you evaluate where they're at through this uh, critical, I guess, road trip on the West coast. And obviously it's leading up to the trade deadline, but how, what you've seen from this group over the last week or so, and what that might mean here as we spin it forward. Yeah, I feel like it's been fairly clear for a little bit. Um, Maybe the front office wants to be absolutely certain about how they want to go about addressing the roster issues, but I think it's clear that you know you need to address the minutes for the starters. You need to add depth to the bench. 
you need a center, you need a point guard. I think all of that has been established. And I think for the front office right now, it's figuring out what's the best way to do that. And when is the best way to do that? Are you uh, fixing some of that before the deadline? Are you saving all of it for the off season? I think those are the types of decisions uh, that are being made right now. I think everyone is fairly clear on what the problems are. And the problem also is the fact that they are at 500 on this road trip. I thought maybe it could be instrumental, and we hoped that if you go out there and you absolutely run the table on the West Coast, maybe that's a sign that you have something this season that you could be looking forward to. And if it goes the other direction, you have the scorched earth feeling that we had pondered with before, but they're in the middle, and that's tough. And now OG is sidelined for the rest of this road trip, but in that Precious Achua has had an opportunity to rise to the occasion to fill a hole that was now presented. And he's done a really impressive job since returning from injury. Um, has that been because he's been given an opportunity to come in and to, you know, not earn the respect that we had thought that Precious Achua should have had already? I think so. I think this is what most people were hoping for at the beginning of the season. If you remember Mm -hmm. the second half of last season, he was absolutely tremendous. The first half, a lot of growing pains, a lot of giving him opportunities and letting him figure out what he can be as a player Uh, in Miami. He was just looked at as specifically a big man who was supposed to just primarily play inside. And then once he came to the Raptors, Nick nurse said, no, we're going to put the ball in your hands. You're going to be able to, you know, push the ball up the court off rebounds and all of that. And so it's been a learning process for him. And I think now he's taking the game in. it's really coming a bit slower to him. Now Uh, you see him making good reads, uh, especially in the pick and roll. And then as a cutter as well, he's identifying those gaps in the defense to get easy baskets. He's showing great patience inside. That was something from last season. If if you remember, he'd get the ball off an offensive rebound and it was so great that he'd get all these offensive rebounds, but then he'd look to go up right away. Uh, And now you're seeing possessions where he'll get it and realize there isn't a shot there and he'll bring it back out. So things like that uh, are subtle improvements that make a big difference. The X factor is probably going to be the three-point shot. You saw the Suns just had no respect for his outside shot, and he wasn't looking to shoot either. There was one moment where Gary Trent Jr. kicked the ball out to him, and he refused to shoot it, looked to make the next play, and then he realized he was so wide open he should have shot it and then kind of gave a my bad to Gary. So that's probably the X factor going forward for him. Does his recent emergence make you think any differently about the future of OG and Nunui because now he's been someone in the trade talk for a while and not saying that Precious Achua fills the void of OG, but he starts to give maybe a little bit of faith or confidence that he can be a player that the Raptors do rely on in the future. Does Do you see those two as kind of a tandem right now in terms of what happens next? I think so, because when you look to address the roster issues, you essentially have six starters on the team with the way Precious Achua is playing. Obviously, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. Um, uh, you've got Precious Achua here. Uh, and so if you can use OG Ananobi to address the depth and play a little deeper uh, than you do right now, then I think that's the move that you make. The question is, is that deal out there? And so, you know, we've seen the rumors about the picks and things like that. But I think 
you ideally you would want one to two players who can come in and contribute to the bench. And then the other thing that Precious offers is it sort of addresses the hierarchy issue, uh, at least in the offense, a little bit. And I think everyone uh, you know knows that Pascal Siakam is option number one. Fred Van Vliet uh, is playing much better now, and so he's looking like option number two. Scotty Barnes is taking care of the playmaking and getting his. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is always going to get his shots, and that always left OG in a bit of an odd spot. And now with Precious Achua, you don't have to worry about his offense. Um, and so I think that sort of realigns that. And so if you can get bench contributors, uh, plus look to the future a little bit, I think that would be the main appeal of having Precious potentially in the starting lineup long term. Okay, so Precious has some sway. Uh, the return obviously critical. But ultimately, the OG decision, what does it hinge on? I think it just hinges on, you know, roster balance and saying, hey, we know what OG is at this point of his career. We know how he fits into this team. Obviously, he's one of the best defenders, wing defenders in the league. Uh, And so it's a question of what is the deal that's out there that best addresses the roster balance. And you're not going to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. If there's something that you legitimately look at that stabilizes the bench depth, then it plus brings back a piece that you look to the future with, then I think that's something you seriously consider. But OG Ananobi is too good to give up, uh, you know, just to make a trade, just to shake things up. You have to get the pieces that address the issues that have been identified this season. If OG does believe that he he can offer a team more, like is he's a bit disillusioned thinking that? Like when you see OG and the fit, and, you know, sharing the ball with this Raptors team and everyone else needs their touches. And like, are they not getting something from OG that they could be getting? Like if he was in a different role, could he give more or is he what he is on the Raptors, which is a brilliant defensive player and a guy who can knock down open threes? Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting question because at 25 years old, I don't want to write off uh, a guy and say that this is all he can be. Um, at the same time, I would say that he's had the opportunity here. I I don't think that he's been limited in his opportunities to show that he can be more. And, you know, there's been times where Pascal Siakam has been out. And frankly, if you go back, there was a time when Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet were on the bench mob and OG Ananobi was a starter, right? And so those two guys have emerged and grown and grown to the point where they have big-time roles on this team. And that just hasn't quite happened for OG Ananobi. And you see every time he's got the ball and looks to attack off the dribble, it is clunky. It is a bit complicated for him. And when he's at his best, you know, he's able to attack closeouts, uh, bad closeouts and get to the basket. He's able to knock down catch and shoot threes. And to me, at this point in his career, he hasn't shown enough to be, to get a bigger role than that in the offense. Now, if he is saying that, oh, I could be something more with more time in a predominant role, then maybe that's his argument and maybe that's what he wants to see. And as a 25-year-old, I can understand that. 
would a team that wants to trade for OG not want him to do exactly what he's done for the Raptors? Like, it's not like if he went to <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, he could go to Charlotte and maybe have the world at, you know, in the palm of his hand and he can be whatever player he wants to be. But if you're mm-hmm. in New Orleans or Memphis, are you not slotting him in, in a very, very specific role? One that actually might be more limited than it is with the Raptors. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where he almost might need to see it to believe it um, and experience it to believe it. I think a perfect example here is uh, Jeremy Grant who was with the Denver Nuggets and people sort of looked at him as this key piece around Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Uh, and then obviously Michael Porter Jr. came in and he wanted a bigger role and he wanted to be more. And he went to uh, the Detroit Pistons. He had a number one role there and the team was losing a lot and he wasn't very efficient. Now he's playing again behind Damian Lillard next to Yusuf Nurkic next to Anthony Simons. And the team still isn't winning a lot, but you see him look a lot more comfortable and having uh, better performances. Then you look at someone like Aaron Gordon, who went to the Denver Nuggets, and he's having arguably his best season because he understands what his best role is. And these are all similar, like, 3 and D guys, um, and you sort of just understand your ceiling once you've had that opportunity. Aaron Gordon obviously learned in Orlando – what he could be and now in Denver he's slotting in perfectly so it might just be something that OG Ananobi needs to experience to really believe it so this is a bit forward thinking because it depends on the future of where the Toronto Raptors go but Shams brought out an article yesterday about it so let's ask you about it so Nick Nurse uh, potentially or or reportedly um, at the end of his Mm -hmm. contract after next season um Obviously, he's a guy that's led this team to success. He's been able to get a lot out of a roster. But if they do go the scorched earth route or they go the teardown route and they got to build up, is he the right guy to lead that type of team? Well, I'll be honest. I'll I'll be very surprised if the Raptors do go the scorched earth route. I I think at best you're looking at tweaking and making some minor adjustments uh, to it. Uh, Maybe one big trade uh, might be in the works. But beyond that, I, I, I see the Raptors being very competitive uh, and looking to ascend, not, you know, completely tank it all. Uh, They can do that uh, in other ways without actually gutting the roster. But I I think Nick Nurse has been a very good coach uh, in his time. I always look at, you know, what are the expectations coming into the season and how often is he meeting them or exceeding them? And for the most part, he has done that. And I think, you know, everyone's allowed a bad bad stretch here and there. And I think sometimes we always speak of development when it comes to players, but not so much when it comes to coaches. Uh, And I think he's someone who will probably look at moments this season and wish he could have had them back. But I think that can be a learning moment for him as well. And so I I do hope that the Raptors can sort out some sort of uh, contract extension and that he can remain with this team for a while because he's a very good coach. Do you sense that Pascal Siakam's hit a bit of a wall of late here? Yeah, no question. I I think he is exhausted. I think he has taken on a huge toll with the way he's had to carry this team. And I think it's understandable. And so obviously he had a great run, um, was looking like a surefire, uh, not just all-star, but all NBA team player. And, uh, I think he just needs the all-star break more than anyone. Uh, I think when you look at his numbers, uh, there's been a bit of a drop-off. He's gone down from 26 points to 22, 
The rebounding is down from 8.3 to 7.4. Assists down from 6.7 to 5.6. His true shooting uh, is down from 58 to 53.5. So I think he really just needs a, a break. Uh, a lot's being asked out of him. He's averaging about 39 minutes a game in January. And that's all it is to me because I think he's more than proven he's a heck of a player this season. Uh, Last one for you, V. Um, If we're looking at the rest of the season, regardless if they go and they trade or they tinker, as we mentioned, is Scotty Barnes' development and what he's been able to put together, especially since the calendar turned to 2023, the most important focal point for Raptors fans? Undoubtedly, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, everything that he's shown uh, over the past month or so it is hugely encouraging. I think it was needed, quite honestly. And I think they've put him in, in his best role. I think early on in the season, it was probably about pushing his development in areas of the game that we weren't accustomed to seeing last season. You saw him taking more mid-range jumpers and more three-point shots uh, and uh, you know, really working on that individual offense. And now I think he's settled in as a playmaker, um, still getting his own offense, but I think it's a lot more within the flow of the offense and he's improving defensively as well. So uh, I think that is absolutely the single biggest, uh, you know, thing to monitor the remainder of the season and, you know, precious Achua, the way he's going, he, he might be the second biggest. Mm-hmm. Well, the trade deadline next week already tomorrow's february and we'll have lots to break down hopefully whether there's moves or no moves uh with you next time we chat v thanks for joining us thanks so much for having me that's vivek jacob writer at raptors.com and cbc sports tomorrow's february wow it's snuck up on us uh bunch of coaches have been traded by the way in yeah, major the north american line loves the professional coaches. sports i mean they could they could uh do the segment for us but <laughs> michelle bergeron Went mm-hmm. from the Nordiques to the New York Rangers so for a first-round draft during pick. during the season. 1987. I think that was before the draft. Maybe not during the season. Okay, that's what I was mostly, like, curious. Ooh, I didn't do that. No, uh, no, no. I, I know, like, I think coaches... Doc like, Rivers was traded. Right. Bunch of NFL Stan coaches Van Gundy, traded. Gundy, people are texting in a lot of names. But I thought, like, mid-season was what Just we were the, talking the about. The old coaching swap. <laughs> There's a lot. Bill Belichick was apparently traded... But this is from this is what Mike and Aston Aboya sent a list of names. Mm-hmm. I think I'm. There's a difference between the end of a season and joining another team or getting fired and joining. I, I'm talking about like t- today, January 31st. The Toronto Maple Leafs have announced they've sh- traded Sheldon Key for yes. I, yeah. John I, mean, I guess there's a difference there, but it seems like it's more of like a contractual thing when you get to like if you get to an off season, right? Mm-hmm. If someone's going to be fired, but you don't want to pay them and another coach right, or another team's them. interested, you could trade, you I can figure it. out a way to do all that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think the days of the, uh, I don't think the days ever started, but the one for one coaching trade mid season, <laughs> probably a little far fetched at this point. Oh, well, that's what the, that's what could happen one day with Nick nurse. That's what we were bringing up. That's where it came I, from. I can't see it That's unless the, the, unless the Lakers want to give up. Well, they don't even have any assets, so no. other than LeBron James. And uh, I don't think happen. that's a little Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse for LeBron James. Well, probably not happening. Big V didn't think that that's a possibility, really, and so he knows best. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, before we go to break, you want to give away some tickets? I sure do. Um, you're Toronto Marlies facing off against the Lavelle Rocket this Friday at Coca-Cola Coliseum for their next-gen game, the second one of the season, and we're giving away four packs of tickets. To enter, 
Listen for the code word today and tomorrow on the Fan Morning Show and text that code word to 590-590 for your chance to win. Today's code word is ROCKET. Text ROCKET to 590-590 right now for your shot to win. Today's the last day for the giveaway. So be sure to text ROCKET to 590-590 even though we just said the code word today and tomorrow. That was incorrect. Today is the last time that you can win the tickets. ROCKET this Friday against the Laval Rocket. Very exciting. Not giving away tickets in February. This is a January thing. This is February flips the calendar over and we're we no longer generous. Now. On to something. But we do have another giveaway after our next guest, who's a big get, pretty popular guy. Mm. RA, co-founder and co-host of Spit and Chicklets, joins us on the other side of the break. We still have another guest after that, Randeep Janda, joining us to talk about what's going on with Vancouver, Bo Horvat getting traded. We're still going to get to the wake and rake as well, but it'll be a quick one, so send your picks in at 590-590. Lots to do in the final hour. We're grinding. All right, that's next on the Fan Morning Show.